0: I just think we have such an excellent pool of colleagues on the funds development team i was talking with mary catherine and after each interview process i think gosh if i was hiring I and looking for a job right now i don't know that i would make the I cut
1: anymore <laughs> i'll be the eyes so that i just can be
2: this is another episode of a special series called enough for all of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Muris Bloom, and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. welcome everybody again. I'm so pleased to um, meet yet again with another colleague. And um, like usual, I will ask her to introduce herself. And so, Mary Catherine, why don't you go ahead?
1: I am Mary Catherine Hines, and I'm the Senior Director of Fundraising Strategy for Church World Service. I'm glad to be on this uh, podcast.
2: Hey, Mary Catherine, and can you tell us uh, since when you're have been working for Church World Service?
1: I started in September of 2003.
2: Wow. And have you always been in the same position?
1: No, I started out um, as the assistant regional director for the Carolinas. So at that time, it was North Carolina and South Carolina. And I was doing fundraising through events and congregational work and individuals just in North Carolina and South Carolina um, and working alongside. Uh, team in an office there. And we slowly added on territory and we added on Virginia and uh, Georgia and Florida. And I became the regional director, associate regional director for that area. Then when the regional director of um, the Southeast region hired, I was then hired on as the regional director for the Southeast region. And then became a managing regional director for the whole uh, kind of super region and then eventually became the national director for our crop hunger walk events throughout the United States and then moved into a fundraising strategy for, that looked beyond just events but looking at um, all the different ways that we raise funds for our important mission.
0: Now,
2: can you tell a little bit about your your background of uh, in terms of education so you know how did you get involved with with the work that you're doing now how is that related with your uh, sure. schooling
1: so i was uh i went to a liberal arts college and had a double major english and women's studies uh while i was there also very active in justice ministries taught english as a second language always knew that I wanted to do something in the nonprofit world. And so shortly after graduating from college, I joined the United States Peace Corps and went to uh, East Africa, a small country called Eritrea. And there taught English um, and also did regional girls' conferences where on the weekends we'd pull together girl students from across the country to do intensive training and math Uh, science and health and in that time I knew that was that global hunger and poverty was the issue that really mattered the most to me and uh, came back from the Peace Corps thinking that perhaps policy was where I could make the most change. I went to work for our governor in North Carolina uh, and then realized that Uh, my idealism that was uh crushed a little bit to realize how much money was involved in politics and uh so thought maybe direct service was the way to go went into uh fundraising for a local nonprofit that provided support to uh, vulnerable women and their children uh and uh but always knew that i wanted something more and uh, uh found churchful service and thought oh my goodness it's the Total package. We do policy, we do direct service, and we also do sustainable.
2: And we, you know, when you uh, decided to apply for church full Service, was that the first time you heard about CWS, or you heard about CWS before already?
1: No, actually, the when I worked for the governor, his term was coming due, so we all knew we had to get new jobs and. I saw, uh, I was kind of searching where where was I gonna end up and uh, I'm raised Catholic. And so I would get this regular publication called the National Catholic Reporter. And I was reading through it and there was an advertisement for uh, this position of assistant director for the Carolinas. And I read through it, I said, oh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanna do. Uh, Had my letters of reference and. I was so excited. This is is my calling, and I didn't even get an interview, and I was crushed. I just cried. I remember calling the HR director at Churchful Service to check on the status, and she said, I'm sorry, we've already filled that position. Uh, I found out later it was an internal position that had been promoted, so they didn't even have uh, interviews, so I went to work trying to make sure that if I ever got another opportunity, so I started tracking Churchful Service from then on, and um, checking the employment boards. I said, you know, I would mop the floors to work for this organization. Luckily, I didn't have to. Uh, three years later, the, the woman who was in the position that, uh, that, that got the position when I first applied, she decided to move on to do uh, different work. And so they opened it back up and I got an interview and the rest is history.
2: Yeah. So you you didn't you had not heard about the crop hunger walks before you applied? Ah uh,
1: yes, I had actually. I had never heard of church World service, mm-hmm. but I heard of crop hunger walk. Um, when I was, I guess it was maybe the mid '80s. Uh, I was a member of a church in a small town in North Carolina, Gastonia, um, and I remember the uh, crop walk footprints that the church would put up whenever anybody signed up mm-hmm. for their Hunger Walk. Uh, I only remember one walk being a part of it. I guess it wasn't my parents' thing, but I do remember that from St. Michael's Catholic Church in Gastonia, North Carolina, the the one year with the footprints along the wall. But I didn't make that connection. That I didn't know whose church service was back then. It was really the Crop Walk was the brand that we that people knew. One of the first things that I did when I got to step up into the position to oversee our Crop Hunger Walk events was to uh, add by CWS, <laughs> so mm-hmm. every time we say Crop Hunger Walk by CWS to help people make that connection.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, what what do you like about the work of CWS?
1: Um, there's so many things that that fulfill my my buckets working at CWS. I think one of the most inspiring components is how much we work with volunteers. Volunteers are are running our crop hunger walks, having our blanket Sundays, raising funds, and and I know all organizations have volunteers, but for for an organization that's addressing global hunger and poverty, access to clean water, um, displacement of people, our volunteers are doing this out of the goodness of their own heart. They don't have a vested interest. They don't have a, a cousin who is struggling with No clean water, or um, and so to work with volunteers who give so much time and energy towards something that has no personal benefit, that they are truly committed to just building a better world. That's truly inspiring. And then as an organization to work for churchful service, like I said before, it's it's the total package. You know, looking at the holistic approach of of ending these major problems in the world, that it's not a I truly believe in our methodology that we're grassroots, that we're asset-based, that we look at um, not just what you need today, but why do you need that today? The the policy behind, policies, global policies that make people hungry or displaced or um, lack access to employment, and so looking at the sustainable, permanent solutions to those issues, not just the short-term uh, help that's needed. I I just feel like we we've hit all the right buttons. And the fact that we, you know, when I came back from the Peace Corps, I thought one day I would be working globally, that I would be back in the field working in another country. And I would say probably within a year of working for Churchful Service, I realized I don't don't have a skill set that cannot be found from a local person in the field, from an indigenous leader in a, a global community. So why would I go somewhere and take their job? I have a skill set to raise funds to then support and build the capacity of people on the ground. And that was a real game changer for me. And so I think working for an organization that recognizes that, yeah, sometimes there are US folks who have a specific skill set that we need to send them into a place. But in general, the fact that church world service is building capacity of local leadership is, um, is one of the things that I love the most, which I didn't know I would when I started, but it's definitely one of the things I love most about CWS
2: piggybacking a little bit of what you just said about uh, CWS. Um, I'm sure you've seen this book that was, you know, written after 50 years of, of mm-hmm. church world service. And the subtitle was 50 years of help and hope. So if you, you know, would come, have to come up with a subtitle for another book of 75 years of, of CWS, what are some of the keywords that you would mention?
1: Mm. Well help and hope are awfully good. I think there's a transformation that has happened in CWS. It's less about help and more about coming alongside. So maybe some catchy way of saying accompaniment, that it's not about we're going to come in as an organization and and save the day and provide help and hope, but more we're coming alongside um, folks. So maybe it's... um, I don't know. I'm not a marketing person, but something that that connotes that we're they're working side by side, shoulder to shoulder. So maybe shoulder to shoulder, uh, changing the equation. You know, shoulder to shoulder, transforming communities. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't prepared for that question. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well, if you, if you come up with something, let me know. Uh, yeah. Along the way, you know, if if I have to um, kind of describe. Um, churchful service over time, I often say, well, that, you know, it started in 46 as a US Christian organization that tries to work ecumenically, um, you know, grassroots, that's key. And then I think uh, where we are now is being more global and interfaith. Um, would you agree with me? And uh, if so, why? And if you don't agree, can you also explain explain why? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, no, I totally agree. Um, I think our crop Hunger Walks are an excellent um, example of the interfaith part of our work. You have community events pre-COVID when you could gather together and you would have not just your Christian denominations but you'd have Sikh and Jewish and Baha'i and uh, I have a one walk where there's a super strong Jain community And I think that's part of why the Crop Hunger Walks are so beautiful, because we are able to share and connect um, and to find the things that we have in common and to celebrate the things that we can learn from each other. Um, And so, and it makes us much stronger. It builds those events um, to be more representative of the community. And I see that while CWS is still, supported by the Christian denominations. When you look at the work that we do globally, we're working with staff and partners who represent multi-faith, even no faith. We have folks who are um, humanists, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily tied to a particular church or religion or dogma. And I think that makes us stronger, that makes us more credible um, and, um, and opens the door to more participation. Uh, globally I think we have to move global we have to think uh, because our world is no longer we're no longer able to be isolated in our little communities we're all connected as we see through this pandemic we're all connected um, and so we have to do work that is global that is globally minded that recognizes that interconnectedness and intersections of, of culture and religion and ways of being
2: continue our conversations around it and 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 you are very have been very much part of that discussion is if you look at uh, churchful service as a brand um, you know it seems that that uh, in trying to reach out especially to a younger audience uh, you know we have certain challenges in terms of connecting with the younger uh, audience and. Uh, well, you know, as part of the discussion, we also looked at, an, at the name change. And, you know, what's your opinion about that in terms of, you know, should churchful service remain churchful service, especially the word church seems to be, you know, turning off some of the younger generation or should we keep it? And, and uh, so, how, you know, how do you see this brand, this, this entity uh, evolving further? What do we need to do to ensure that we can continue the work for another 25 years?
1: Um, I think having the word church hanging above our doorway closes that door off to people who might, uh, if they did walk through, they would feel comfortable, but because they see church, they think it's not the place for them. Uh, So I think taking that word church out would. would be more inviting to a broader cross-section of of people, particularly younger people. I think younger people see church as, uh, in their mind, Christian church is evangelical, um, conservative, and I think that uh, that's not who we are, but that might be what people think we are. I, I even have a neighbor who said, I never would have given to church will service if you hadn't asked, because I would have thought, oh, it's one of those church groups, <laughs> but she now donates. Um, so, so I think, but I, but while I think we need to remove that word "church" from our um, welcome mat, I don't think we need to remove the faith component of the work that we do. I think that's really important. I think it's what makes us unique in that we are faith-based organization, but we don't proselytize or evangelize. That we're driven by our belief in um, seeing the face of God in all people. Um, but if we could find a, a a name or or a way that that brings people in so they can see that I think will attract younger and even even Gen X you know they're 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 becoming more and more discontent with the vision of churchy groups that are that we're seeing in the news and in public
2: oh thanks uh... For sharing that, um, you know, when we were talking about Churchill Service, you're, you mentioned a lot of characteristics of this organization. Uh, you know, partnership and and uh, accompaniment. Um, if if I would ask you to name one colleague or a partner um, or a partner organization or a supporter of CWS who best embodies uh, of what CWS is about, who would you name and why?
1: So I, I believe I would name my former supervisor who was the regional director for church service. His name's Joe Moran, and Joe uh, bef- before CWS, in his early life, was a Catholic priest living in uh, Central America, and later fell in love with Peace Corps volunteer, left the priesthood, but continued to do the great work. Um, of serving God's people wherever they are in need. I think he most embodies CWS because he, uh, is driven by a pluralistic vision of, of faith. So while he was a Catholic priest, he can speak to Buddhist or, or non-faith folks. He's also someone who understands that uh, he, he's always the one that points to the other person when there's a spotlight on that should be on him. He was always pointing to someone else. He never took credit for even things that he should have taken credit for. He always gave credit to the, the colleague or the um, volunteer or the someone who who helped him to have that success. And I think that's how CWS it, CWS is. Sometimes it's it's a struggle for me as a fundraiser because I want to wave the CWS flag, we're so great, give to us. Um, but truly we're, we're forever giving credit to our partner or to a, a local leader or to a sister agency. Um, and, and I think that's truly the, the way we need to be. Um, and that's how Joe was. Um, as and that's how he still is. He's also very. Um, he la- he worked for us for a very long time, and his passion for the mission never wavered. And I think that's um, the CWS. Our our passion for our mission has never wavered. We might have uh, tweaked how we do it or with what partners and what countries and. Um, but we have always been committed from, from day one until today to, um, to that call to serve, um, to serve God and, and, and all who need to, to, um, and all who are in need. Um, and so from that, that first helping refugees in, uh, in war-torn Europe to, to be resettled in the U.S. And, uh, sharing our our grain with those who are in, uh, in remaining in war-torn Europe, that 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 same uh, looking at what assets we have to give to share um, has been consistent and steadfast. And that's how Joe was consistent, steadfast, um, always compassionate, always caring, uh, and committed to to seeing a world where one day all will have enough.
2: No, Joe, Joe is absolutely a great, great guy and still very active around the crop hunger walks as well. So.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be a saint one day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Mary-Kathleen, I, I ask you to share an anecdote or a memory or an experience. Um, you know, what will you ex- share, please?
1: Um, I think it's probably my first day on the job. And uh, so I worked with Joe, who I just talked about, and Joe was so excited to finally have a, a new assistant director. And so on the first day, he had set up meetings for us with Crop Hunger Walk volunteers all across the state of North Carolina. So we, we met um, at a gas station not too far from my house, and I got in his car, and we traveled to the first meeting and then we went to the next meeting and then the next meeting and um I, and it wasn't until probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night when he brought me back to that gas station so I could then head home and he had never stopped to eat he never stopped for lunch or dinner I had a, a little pita that I'd thrown in my briefcase that when he wasn't looking I would nibble little pieces of the pita because I was so god this is this is awful I can't believe we didn't stop anywhere to eat And I thought, well, maybe he just wants me to have that feeling of, of hunger so I can speak uh, more profoundly about it. Uh, The next day he, he called, he said, I cannot believe I complete. I was so excited to be taking you to these meetings and preparing you for these presentations. I completely forgot to feed you. I'm so sorry. And I said, well, I, I thought maybe it was like a test. He said, no, 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 no. Um, but we, often laugh about that that it that truly is though. cws right it's it's um empathy it's trying to to listen and understand what 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 people are going through so that we can um come alongside them to to improve their lives and i think uh, it was a good way to start my job to say let me sit in hunger while i and feel that before i go preach about it to to other folks um as an aside we traveled quite a bit together after that, and Joe would always pack a cooler after that of snacks so that we could stop at a rest stop somewhere. <laughs> but he always knew that I, I would have something to eat on our trips after that.
2: <laughs> That's a great story, thanks. Um, Um, Is there anything that you would like to say or would like to wish for the organization?
1: I, I really wish that we will be as critical and effective and impactful 75 years from now. And I truly believe that's going to require us to continue to reach the next generation and inspire them and inspire them to be a part of what we uniquely bring. And I think, and I, I think we'll get there. There's who are coming up with innovative ideas and they're all focused on the next generation. How can we tap into that passion for making a difference, the passion for having an impact and help the next generation see that church will service is a very unique and appealing way for them to to change the world um i think so yeah 75 I, my hope for cws is that we are even better 75 years from now
2: my my last question for you is you know i i hope to also talk and interview people who have been in charge of our organization has worked for us you know many, many years ago, decades ago. um is there any specific question that you would like me to
1: ask them? I might ask I might ask something about failure or missed opportunities, because I think that's where we can really learn and innovate. So maybe if you if I would maybe ask what is an an opportunity that you wish you had taken? Um, or what was something that you tried that that didn't quite work and no one let you try again because i think sometimes that's the problem we we fail and then we drop it and instead of re, retooling it and trying again in a in a different way so maybe i would ask that i guess often people will ask leaders you know what was the great thing and what, what everybody wants to talk about all that that was good so maybe pushing a little bit on what was what was one of those failures cuz so i think you can learn a lot from those failures if you can innovate
2: and try again. What has been your greatest failure so far with CWS? Mm.
0: Um,
1: Well I think my my first great failure was the first time that uh, I supervised someone. You know as, as many organizations you you do a good job and then they say great now you can supervise someone else but then never really teach you how to supervise. And when that uh, employee left CWS and her exit interview, she just tore me to shreds and how that I had supervised, um, which was in hindsight, probably the greatest gift she could have ever given me um, to recognize where I needed to grow as a supervisor, um, to realize that not everybody needs the same thing. The type of supervision I need wasn't type of supervision that she needed. Uh, it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. As someone who likes affirmation, I, I, it was terrible to to hear all of that that uh, she put in that interview, that exit interview. Um, but it has helped me to be a much stronger leader and um, and and support the people that work with me better, um, having had that
0: mm-hmm.
1: hard feedback from her.
2: And, and what are you most proud of so far in those seventeen years?
1: Um, I think. I think the fact that we have expanded our fundraising uh, portfolio. I think when I started, we really relied upon crop hunger walks and that was it. Uh, And I think whether it was, I think a lot of it was necessity, but under my leadership, we were able to, we were given the, the, the freedom to expand and to try new things. And so being able to add in the Ration Challenge and virtual walks and ramping up how we do our best gift, um, how we use social media so, to raise funds. So I think the fact that we've been able to diversify the ways that people can engage in raising funds for CWS is probably my, um, one of my proud, proud points.
2: Great. Well, th- thank you, Mary for your time and sharing your experience. and. Um for also for everything you do. Um yeah, it's it's uh I'm I'm thankful, very thankful to work with you. So um and I think the organization is also very thankful. Um,
1: well I'm so. I'm grateful every, every morning to wake up and to know the the bottom line isn't some CEO's pocket. You know, I'm I get to work every day to build a better world. And that's a a true gift and real blessing I'm BWS and able to do that.
2: Great. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
2: You're listening to a double episode of the podcast Walk Talk Listen, so stay tuned because we will have another episode for you. This is another episode of our podcast about church world service and like always, I'm really delighted to uh, be able to speak with one of my colleagues who will introduce herself. Please, Rebecca, go, uh, go ahead.
0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Belize, a Senior Director of our Funds Development Team with CWS.
2: And uh, Rebecca, how many years uh, are you working presently with CWS? I've been
0: with CWS for nine and a half years. And I'm located in Oklahoma.
2: Mm. And, and uh, I assume that you did not start as, as the director. So how did you start?
0: So when I started with CWS, I was actually, I um, forget my title, but I, I worked with our funds development team, and I was a field staff person um, working with a portfolio of churches and crop hunger walks for a five-state area.
2: How did you get involved with CWS? Uh, did you, you know, did you see an advertisement? How, how did that happen?
0: So actually my husband found the advertisement and showed it to me and he said, oh my gosh, I think this aligns with everything you went to seminary for. Um, I think you would love it. And I thought, oh, I don't know about that. I didn't go to seminary to be a fundraiser. <laughs> But I'd learned in my last position when I was a campus minister, fundraising had been a part of my job, and so I applied for it. And I guess the rest is history. I was Mm -hmm. asked to be a part of the Great West team and Mm -hmm. um, started in the Topeka, Kansas office, and I loved it.
2: Had you heard about CWS before? Before you applied?
0: So I I see it as a (laughs) two-part answer. So I have a prop. Yeah. I don't know if you'll remember these cards, Maurice. So I graduated college in 1999. And I went to go work for my first church, Village United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. And I was their minister of Christian education. Mm -hmm. And when I started, I found these cards in my desk. Can you see them?
2: Do you remember these cards? Yeah. So for the listeners, you have to describe them.
0: So the cards... They had a series of cards from the National Council of Churches, Mm -hmm. is my guess. And they were great cards. They have scripture on them. And some of the cards say, Let justice flow like water and integrity like an unfailing stream, Amos 5. Or there is one that's my favorite. That is the Micah 6 verse. This is what Yahweh asks of you to act justly, to love tenderly, and to walk humbly with your God. And so I found these cards at the church and I had kept a sample of them Mm -hmm. because I loved them so much. And then when I came to work for church world service, I went into the supply closet Mm -hmm. and saw the big posters that people used in the field. And I said, oh my goodness, I know those cards. And my husband had them framed for me. So that's my first indirect (laughs) with church world service. Um, when I was a campus minister in Stillwater at Oklahoma State University um, with the Wesley Foundation, our tr- campus ministry was invited to participate in the Crop Hunger Walk in Stillwater. And then the church that my husband was serving at the time, Highland Park United Methodist Church, was very active in the Blanket Sunday and participated through the Blanket mm-hmm. Offering. And the town's community was involved, the Church of the United gave to the blanket and supported the work of church world service
2: you are ordained right so uh, walk us a little bit through your education and your path until you started working with with church world service
0: so in high school, our church would sometimes have international speakers, and my mom kept this bulletin. We had a speaker, I think, from, I don't remember what country, um, out of the country, though, and they were talking, and I had written a note say to say, how cool would it be to visit this place, <laughs> to be a missionary um, and go there? And my mom kept it all these years, and in high school, I knew I wanted to do something more, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I went to Oklahoma City University. I was a religion major, and during that time, the United Methodist Church came out with a new order—the Order of Deacons. And the deacon, um, one of their primary roles, is to connect the church to the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a great ministry to be a part of—to be able to to be the pathway back and forth to take the joys and concerns of the world into the church, and, and likewise. And so the Order of Deacon is how I started pursuing my ministry track. I graduated, I worked two years at a church and then went to seminary in Kansas City at St. Paul School of Theology in Kansas City, Missouri. And during that time, I also interned with the women's correctional facility in Topeka. Mm -hmm. And I was a chaplain intern and did my senior capstone project on restorative justice and graduated with my master's of arts in specialized ministry and started on the track to ordination in the Methodist church and was commissioned in 2006 and ordained in 2009 wow. with the Oklahoma conference.
2: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, when I listen to you, it, it seems that, that in everything you did until you, um, started working for Seattle, yes, you were really involved with, with people, right? Because in your mm. present, job you talk with people it's more on the on the phone and and stuff so don't you miss that
0: I do I try to find ways where my boss doesn't know that I'm making trips to individuals to talk with them Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no I think that's the part I love I I loved being out in the field um, hearing the great stories from volunteers in Nebraska when I Mm -hmm. first started my first year There were some great Nebraska volunteers in Omaha and Lincoln, and they would tell the stories of the grain trains coming through Nebraska and Mm -hmm. collecting the grain. Some first-generation people that helped start the Crop Hunger Walks in those locations. And so to be with volunteers and donors uh, has always been an important part of that. And I still find ways to be involved with Um, volunteers and donors in different ways but Mm -hmm. it's the part I love the most to hear to hear their stories to hear transformation of their own experience when they've gone on trips to see the work of CWS in the field um, and to bring it to life
2: Can, can you share one of those stories that you heard where folks after a trip really felt that they went through a transformation
0: Yes, one of my volunteers in Norman, Oklahoma, tells of a story. She went with CWS to Kenya and was connected with this group from Kansas City. And they had raised money for a well to be put in Kenya. And they had actually taken a memorial gift from these parents' daughter, and she wanted this well to be built. And so they took water from Kansas City. And took it to Kenya. When they built the well, they were there to see it. And they added her water, the Kansas City water, to the Kenya water to to signify this connection between the two locations and this memorial gift. And she was there to see that.
2: Wow, I've never heard of such a story. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great yeah. one. Have you... Have you um, I, I'm assuming you made trips yourself as well abroad.
0: Yeah. And, and
2: um, can you share know one of the experiences you had during one of those
0: trips one of the trips we went i was fortunate to go on was to serbia georgia and to see some of the projects as a united methodist woman i had heard stories of us supporting the people of roma and there had been bible studies about it but to actually see and visit the children and the the sites where our programs have been working and the after-school projects to see kids to have a, a safe location, to have food and a shower and um, the facilities of friendship um, in these locations. What was even more empowering for me to tell the story and want to encourage more giving
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to strengthen the projects.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I, have been to the Roma, uh, myself so it's it's um yeah that's that's i mean i've seen a lot in in mm-hmm. the world but that's definitely a, um it's kind of difficult to comprehend it that, that um for, on, on on two levels one is is uh you know that they're still not accepted as is mm-hmm. you know being part of that particular country and. And then the other part is is um, the fact that you know children have to grow up on 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 uh, the very difficult circumstances, right? So uh, and 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 a and a, be, and a right to school to to learn and the right to to education is uh, is one example of of the access they often don't have for a number I, of reasons, yeah.
0: And I thought of the things that we take for granted, like school trips. Um, I sign a, a form for my kids to take mm-hmm. a school trip and the bus is provided and they go and it's, it's nothing to me. And when we were there, um, the shelter was telling us they were able to provide an opportunity for one of the kids to go on a trip. It was their first time and they were able to give them a suitcase to go on the school trip that they would not have been able to go on. Um, so it's little things like that that you don't think of as a parent, but it's so important.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I, I think you alluded a little bit to it already, but but um, I'm going to ask it uh, anyway. What do you like about the work of CWS?
0: Gosh, yes. nothing.
2: No. <laughs> I'm, <kidding. laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs>
0: I think for me, it's just even grown and enhanced over time, you know, being able to be in the field, to, to meet with volunteers, um, to see their passion, to, to see their hard work and dedication and their commitment to, to the Crop Hunger Walk, to make sure that people are fed in their own local community, but then also the importance of the global community. And then even in my new role to help hire people for our our team to to see um I get to reflect every time how much I enjoy our team our our work and and how important it is and and all the roles that we play to help CWS be successful in the field um, and working with donors and volunteers Mm -hmm. so it's the people the mission everything we do
2: I am assuming you're familiar with this particular book that was written, yes. you know, to celebrate 50 years of, of uh, churchful service. And the subtitle is, or the title is, 50 Years of Help and Hope. If I would ask you to, to write a book <laughs> about 75 years of CWS, what would be the subtitle or the title or, you know, mention some of the keywords that, that would um, kind of in, in, capture... 75 years of CWS, according to you?
0: So I think hope is still a big part of that. <laughs> I think hope is such a great word. I mean, it's still looking to the future, and I think we're still doing a big part of that. I mean, if we're to fulfill our jobs, our hope is that no one goes to bed hungry. <laughs> um, that our hope is that people do have a safe place to call home. And while that may not happen in my lifetime, I am hopeful that it still will. I don't know, I mean, we're moving with, you know, the, the global migration and immigration and still disaster and displacement, so whatever good word goes with all that. <laughs> yeah. But I also, think, I also think mission and experience. I mean, mm-hmm. for the new generations that are coming, I mean, these hands-on experiences that they can that's tangible to them. Even for us as youth, I mean, the hands-on component is so important. So, so to, to learn about what it is to be with CWS and to be in the field and, and to really learn about the work is to see it and experience it. And then once you have that experience, it, it makes you grateful for going to the kitchen to get water or going to the bathroom and having a toilet um, and all those things. You can see it and then you can share the story <laughs> and mm-hmm. the impact that you were able to witness.
2: Let 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 me piggyback a little bit on the on the young youth. You you mentioned the youth, and and um, well, it's it's not a secret um, that you know we have challenges in terms of reaching out to this younger generation, and uh, well, you you're very much aware that. We have worked with the company and, and are still working with the company to look at you know do we need a rebrand or or you know do we need, well it, are there certain changes that we can make as an organization to um yeah to connect in a better way with that younger generation and and part of that conversation is also to look at a potential uh name change you know um yeah, where are you on, on on that how do you how do you look at that challenge that we have and and what type of ideas do you have around
0: it so i think I see us as a global organization i I also come from the church background so for me the the inner faith is important I think it um, our history has been this ecumenical work i think as we, we move it now has become more interfaith but i see us as a global organization
1: um
0: and, and even though we come from this faith background i think we're open like it's, there's an openness to all and any who want to see a better world or a global humanitarian um, i don't think it sways anyone from participating
2: yeah so you you would you would um yeah, you 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 think if if uh, it will help us to you know reach a younger audience, mm-hmm. you know wherever they are, and I I think you're right. I I would agree with you that we have grown, we have evolved from a US organization to a mm-hmm. global, and from ecumenical to interfaith. I I would agree with you there um, that we should not, you know, um, throw you know, picking another name overboard, mm-hmm. you know, right. be open to whatever might work. And, and uh, yeah, I, and again, I, I would agree there in terms of as long as you stay uh, true to, you know, why you were established and, and true mm-hmm. to your values. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you compare Church Old Service in forty six and, and look at 2020, we are, in many ways, we are still the same, but in many ways, we are also different uh mm-hmm. when we started we should yeah. be applauded for that actually in terms of being much more uh welcoming um
0: and, and, and to see i mean, when we were in asia i meant to see the global churches that are participating at the mm-hmm. local level um so it's not just u.s churches supporting the work mm-hmm. i mean it's global churches that are also supporting the work locally
2: mm-hmm. yeah no you're
0: absolutely absolutely right
2: Church World Service is such a peculiar uh, organization uh, with, with um, many perspectives and in many phases, and still somehow it's all connected. Um, you know, if, if you have to, if I'm asking you, name a colleague or a partner or a supporter of Church World Service that best embodies of what CWS is about, who will you name and why?
0: So my answer is, I feel like it's the Sunday school answer. <laughs> I, I, I would say for me, it's the church universal. It, it's not just our member communions. It, it's people of faith who want to respond, who want to act. It's, it, it is it is the member communions and denominations that help make up CWS, but it, it's bigger than that. It, it's people of faith who want to respond. It's people who in general just want to do good and are looking for that organization that they can trust, um, that can help do good in the world. So, so I, I think it is this, the church universal. <laughs> I'm not naming just one person. <laughs> but but so I think from the, the history, I mean, it, it was the church that helped really mm-hmm. launch us. And I know some people think the church is dying. I, I don't think the church is dying. I think it looks different. It, it may be people who aren't relating, but are faith driven. Um, so, so I still think that's a part of who we are.
2: Mm. Interesting that you say that, that uh, the church is not dying. I, I just finished a podcast with uh, an ex-colleague of yours who said the same ah. thing, um, and said, I'm glad "Well, we it, the, the church is might getting in a different form or shape in, in how we know it." you know, it's, it's, it's separate from the, a building. It's, um,
0: I think we've seen that in this pandemic yeah. right now. People mm. are saying the church is not closed. The church has finally left the building. We, we are in the streets safely. Mm. We are, we are worshiping in our homes virtually. It's still important that we're connected. And I think some people are finding, you know, other voices that they realize they're, they're out of the church. They need to be connected more to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're starting local, but then I think they also say, look at our neighbors globally. They are facing challenges like we are right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, and thinking a little bit about the future and, you know, about our setup, what do you hope to see uh, within CWS? Uh, And and I'm talking here about our staffing structure and, um, you know, how we work together and, and, Um, Or does the staffing structure that we have and the way we work together does it reflect reflect properly that we are this global organization? Or do you think that you know certain changes need to be made? How how do you see it? What do you wish for?
0: I think that our staffing structure is—I mean, it it is a global partnership. (laughs) I mean, as we look at fundraising and philanthropy, Mm -hmm. I, I think. Um, funds development team does a great job, and um, but but being able to connect to the global partners is is another thing that makes CWS so strong that they directly work with the partners. Um, whatever structure that looks like, I think those were some of the things to keep.
2: <laughs> what do you want to say, or what do you want to wish for CWS?
0: I think my wish is that. We've had 75 years of success, and I hope to see 75 years and more of success. I think the foundation that CWS started with and took on is still important work. Many from the National Council of Churches. That there is no other group like CWS that that takes and allows for ecumenical bodies to work together. I think the way that we all are able to come together. makes for a stronger impact that we're not duplicating work kind of like the ACT Alliance from the NGO side. Mm-hmm. I think, I think for the faith component that we're able to offer something that isn't very prominent right now. I think local communities are, are you know, still working together in their, in their own kind of small ecumenical groups and alliances, but, but we are this kind of global, I think, <laughs> interfaith partnership that allows all these different groups to come together, and I, th- I think CWS does it well, and I hope that as we still move forward, we're able to connect to younger um, people and younger individuals to help take up the mantle from those that are um, going to the great cloud of witnesses. <laughs>
2: Let me, you know, because you are very much part of, of the fundraising part of, of uh, Church World Service, what are you most proud of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, steps forward, improvement?
0: I think one thing I'm most proud of is the way that our team has been able to adapt throughout the years as we've downsized and had to kind of re ourselves with a smaller team. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's made our current team stronger. Um, I just think we have such an excellent pool of colleagues on the funds development team. I was talking with Mary Catherine and after each interview process, I think, gosh, if I was hiring and looking for a job right now, I don't know that I would make the cut anymore. (laughs) Our, 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 our colleagues that we're hiring are so good (laughs) that I may May not be as good as I used to be. I think you're to underestimating like yourself, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the, the level of, of staff that we're getting, of, that see themselves as fundraisers and as community builders and bridgers um, is a strength that we have right now. And it comes from a great foundation that was, you know, that, that was shaped in the last few years too from previous staff. Where
2: um, you wish, you know, you would, uh, you would like to see more progress and, and, and if you are able to identify an area, you know, what are some of the things that you would like to see um, in order to um, improve that part as well.
0: Well, I think you always think okay if I could have called 10 more people today and mm. raised so much more and I think our staff just sometimes feel the internal pressure that they want to be good stewards of the donors dollars and there's only enough there's only so many hours in a day to do your mm. job and if if you can you know drive 200 miles more to have three more meetings <laughs> um so how do we help our staff think Strategically and smarter, so they're 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 able to have those strong relationships even without the distance. Um, so so how do we help help our teams think that way? Um,
2: mm. T- talking about teams and staff and, and colleagues, how well is CWS doing in terms of taking care of its staff and 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 I'm raising this question especially because now because of you know we while we are doing this interview we are in the middle of the pandemic still um you know you hear not only within cws but all around us that mental health is a big a big one for for everybody because the pandemic is not the only thing that's going on there are so many other things happening as well um how do you think we are doing on a on a scale of one to ten um and have we grown there as an organization over the years in, in trying to support and not, you know, of course, salary is always part of it, but I'm, I'm talking more about the whole package in terms of taking care of each other and, and um, staff care.
0: I think CWS ranks pretty high for staff care. I mean, When I talk to staff, they feel appreciated. Um, I would say that I think our own team would probably rank the national headquarter, maybe like a point below what our team does because we're so intentional, but I think it, that probably makes sense. Um, you know, they might say, I, I feel like an eight from our FDM unit. Hmm. Our team was already virtual. Most of our staff work remotely anyway. And so we already had built in procedures and check-ins, for for such a time as this (laughs) without knowing it so so people don't feel like they're on an island by themselves um i think that one thing i feel so great about is that we are so intentional like we do want the whole person to feel supported in our team um whether it's by their manager the team um or CWS headquarter. I think that's what we're always trying to promote. I, I think we've also put an importance on continuing education over the last few years to say, especially this past year during the pandemic, to say since you're not traveling, you know, take some time and take a class or two. Like let's continue this continuing education process. Mm-hmm. And 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 make sure that you're giving yourself grace. Some weeks may be hard, but, but give yourself grace during this time. I mean, you have people who are usually on the road traveling and that's a part of their makeup and, and now they're just home like everyone else. Um, so even adapting your work style has been different. Mm-hmm. But I guess my hope would be that our staff, I mean, I, I feel like we do a great job at that mm. within FDM leadership.
2: Um, Rebecca, can you share an anecdote or experience which best describes your time with CWS?
0: So, in thinking about this question, I thought of a little snippet that was given to me on my ordination. And it talks about how will we know when we have enough deacons. But, but I really love it, and I think it also describes the work of CWS. So I'll share it with you now. Um, how will we know when we have enough deacons when all the needs of the marginalized and vulnerable are met? To gather the gifts of the church and take them to the world, and to gather the needs of the world and bring them to the church has become a habit. Deacons going back and forth have worn down the boundary lines that we use to keep the church and the world separated. Deacons leading the baptized in and out have beaten down a path between the altar and the gutter, so that everyone will see the link between the blood in our chalices and the blood in our streets. All people respond to the challenge to live, not in the love of power, but in the power of love. And so I think that talks about our work where all are called <laughs> for a better world, that we're, we're called to, to tear down these boundary lines to help others, that everyone is a neighbor, and um and that there are needs that continue but that they need to be met that the marginalized and the vulnerable are not forgotten from the church but the church comes out into the world and brings people back and forth i keep it by my computer like it was given to me at my ordination and i just it's my reminder Mm. of what i do like to, to me, for, for my work, it's to help. I mean, we've got to get people out of the church. The church is not just in these walls. And get out into the world. Like, this is where the, the hurt and the need is. So we have to get out of the walls. And that's my major call.
2: <laughs> Any, anything that you wanted to share that we did not address as yet?
0: get students in the pipeline you, you have to start yeah. get them thinking about what it means to be in mission and service mm-hmm. and and the philanthropy thought like if, if your parents aren't teaching you that but you're but you're connected to a church and you have the opportunity to go mm-hmm. then your life has changed forever like yeah. your philanthropy landscape at that moment has changed
2: <laughs> okay
0: okay sir good luck Bye.
1: do you see you do you see Will you be the eyes so that we all
2: thank you for listening to walk, talk, listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Church World Service, please check out
0: cwsglobal.org Thank you.